Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. I've been waiting to preach this sermon. Like I came up with this series like almost a year, well not quite a year, I come up with this, the teaching series in the fall of the previous year or so, you know, six, eight months ago. I've been waiting to talk on anger, let me tell you. I could talk about anger a lot because I have a lot of material on it. <laughs> i got to get my clicker. Okay, <clears throat> so we are uh, going through, this is actually the final uh, message in the emoticon series, and uh, someone at the beginning of the series, like, what are emoticons? So I said they were uh, old-fashioned emoji. Yeah. <laughs> Does, it, does anybody get that joke? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> a little bit. It's not just, it, they get the joke. It's just not funny. All right. <laughs> so there's just ways that we express emotions with texting and, and, and email, and there's a whole bunch of them for happy. I don't know how you get that nose, that last one uh, for happy. I don't know where that is on the keyboard. Uh, sad ones, right? Tears coming out. And, you know, communication, we can do words, but we want to express emotions as well. And, and really, the series is about emotions. There's funny face. I like the big, fat, funny face and the little, fat, funny face, or a little funny face. Um, this one was probably the, the most elaborate. I'm like, who took the time to figure out how to make a fish with emoji? Yeah, somebody felt some people, some places it's listed as the Christian symbol. Why does it take too long to type in? <laughs> so, uh, a disapproval. <coughs> but today, yes, we're talking about anger. <coughs> anger. So, <coughs> got to put my angry eyes on. <laughs> and I have my red shirt because I'm talking about anger. All right. <coughs> All right. So, I want to tell a story. <coughs> this was a couple of years ago. I was with uh, one of my sons and the um, Secretary of State. I can't remember why we were there. But, you know, you go to Secretary of State. How many love the Secretary of State? Oh, yeah, just love going there. Favorite place to go. And, of course, you get there and you got to wait. And there was this other guy sitting <coughs> and waiting, but not waiting patiently. In fact, uh, this guy was cursing, complaining. And I really dislike hearing people curse. I don't like it when I curse. <laughs> but I really don't like it when other people curse, especially in public, especially when my kids are with me. This guy was just being just foul-mouthed. And, uh, and so he was angry about waiting, and of course I got angry about him, his behavior. <laughs> and so I came up with a plan. <coughs> I actually started talking to my son, about a story I had heard on the radio just a few weeks previous to that <coughs> uh, about a man who had grown up his entire life in a refugee camp. He was born to refugees in a refugee camp. I believe it was in uh, uh, Africa, uh, this particular refugee camp. And he was now in his mid-twenties. And the story was about this whole generation of people that have lived their entire life in a refugee camp and that's all they know everything in their life they're dependent upon a bureaucracy 
or a, a, a volunteer organization giving them water and food. The person can't get a job. You can't go out and say, what do you want to do in your life? That, 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 that question makes no sense to this guy and to his old generation because they have absolutely no option. It's not like they can leave the refugee camp. No country will accept them. All right? Th they can't go back home. There is no home. They're stuck. And there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Actually, if you compare uh, some of the camps in Africa and Asia, hundreds of thousands of people that are stuck in the middle. <coughs> and there's nothing they can do. And so I'm just talking to my son about, wow, I heard this really interesting story about this guy. And he has to, he has to stand in line every day and wait for hours just to get water. And there's no hope of ever, he has no hope of ever uh, being relieved. <coughs> and I was going on and on. Of course, I was talking just loud enough so the guy ahead of me could hear. <coughs> and then oh, I remember hearing another story about a traffic jam. I'd heard actually just the, the same day. Uh -huh. In China, a traffic jam that lasted two weeks. <laughs> So I guess it's time for dinner. Let's go get some supper. <laughs> you come back. <laughs> you take a nap. That was the traffic. No, okay. <laughs> two weeks. Seriously. I'm serious. There was a two-week-long traffic jam in China. So I'm excited. Like, and I just, just told my son, I was like, wouldn't it be great? I mean, a great reality TV show is to take Americans and just plop them <laughs> into the middle of a, of a setting like that and just see what happens. We would freak out. We wouldn't know. How we would just like go crazy, right? But that's just normal life for people in these other countries. <laughs> and of course, by the time I gotten through half the first story, the, the guy up in front, he he shut up. <laughs> I won. <laughs> so anyway, we are so disconnected with suffering, the sufferings of others in America. I mean, just honest. Um, you know, we're sitting in a comfortable chair with air conditioning. There were two or three televisions entertaining us, clean water, clean bathrooms, and we get angry because we have to wait 45 minutes to get our driver's license or to get uh, plates so we can drive on really nicely maintained roads, you know, on safe highways. Uh, and it's like, wow, like reality check. <coughs> um, Anger, and that's not to say, you know, one thing, you know, I give an example like that uh, to call attention to <coughs> our disconnect with the way most people live in the world. But on the other hand, you know, our emotional responses to the stimulus in our life is valid, you know. And so if something upsets our comfort level, we're going to respond emotionally. And I'm not saying that that's inappropriate. That's just part of life. You kind of get used to what's normal. And then, then if something upsets that, then there can be uh, appropriate emotional responses. But it helps to see uh, that we're, we've got it so much better off. Um, anger is a pervasive emotion. It's an underlying emotion that is often at the root of most other emotions. In fact, I could make an argument, <coughs> and there have been times in my life where I basically could explain that there are only really two emotions. There's anger, and there's absence of anger. <laughs> I thought that was funny, too, so <laughs> I'm striking out with you guys. 
<laughs> anger is really pervasive. All right? And some people say, well, I never get angry. I'm going, no, you're always angry. You're just really good at hiding it. And you may be one of those people, I'm serious about this. Everyone gets anger. Anger is part of how we're wired. All right? If you say you never get angry, then you need to realize you are not in tune with your anger because you get angry. If you're human, you get angry. If you're not dead yet, you get angry. All right? It's how we respond to our anger that <coughs> uh, makes it healthy or unhealthy. And that's why we're talking about it today. <laughs> anger can be both good and bad, and we need to understand it in, in order to learn how to respond in ways that are, that are healthy. So first off, <coughs> God is angry. He's an angry God. Christians struggle to reconcile the God of love with the wrath displayed throughout Scripture. And people... <coughs> make two opposite errors, as is our custom as humans. Either they go to the extreme, God is all love, and we're misunderstanding, or the, the, the God, the angry God, you know, it was just in the Old Testament, and Jesus took care of that, God's not angry anymore. <coughs> or uh, God is wrathful, and you're going to burn in hell if you don't change, and overemphasizing uh, the wrath of it. The truth is, the Bible says in Psalm 7, that God is a just God, and God is angry with the wicked every day. You know what that means? That means that God is angry today. And God was angry yesterday, and tomorrow God is going to be angry. And we need to deal with the fact that God is angry. Are we good with that? God is angry, but God is also loving. And we'll talk about that in a minute. <coughs> So God is angry every day. That's, real, that's, what, that's what the Bible teaches. Well, you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Okay, let's go to the New Testament. Romans chapter 1. This was written after Jesus died on the cross, buried, rose from the dead. God shows his anger, shows, present tense, his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Right? And this is just one scripture. I could have picked 10 or 20. God being angry in the New Testament. Well, that's God. Certainly Jesus, he's the nice one. <laughs> right? He stands between the Father and humanity protecting us. No. <clears throat> Jesus, this was interacting with Pharisees, looked at them with his angry eyes, being grieved at the hardness of his heart. This, these are strong words. Jesus was really angry at these guys because they were uptight about him healing a crippled man, and he got mad. In fact, there's many, many, many. Read the Gospels. Jesus got mad at his disciples. He got mad at the Pharisees. He got mad at death itself. He got mad lots of times. All right. <coughs> yeah, I got mad at a tree for not having figs. Like, dude, you got a problem. <laughs> and he was perfect. Oh. And God is the God of love. But he's still angry. Hmm. How can we put this together? Well, we can. They, they fit together, actually. 
uh, really wow. <laughs> um, so I'm going to quote, uh, all the quotes I do from here on uh, is from a book called Disordered Loves by William S Stafford. <coughs> um, Jesus' blood sacrifice of himself reversed the curse on anger. It expressed God's eternal, accurate judgment on sin, but beneath that, the still deeper truth that God was reconciling the world to himself. So much packed into this statement. Okay, God's anger. I mean, Jesus died on the cross was, a, was the manifestation, was a representation. It was real, but what it was exhibiting was the punishment and the depiction of, of the punishment and the wrath of God upon sin, right? And it was accurate. It was just. This is what sin deserved, beating and crucifixion and ultimately death. That was the consequence of sin. But beneath that, and what I love about the cross, was that in the very demonstration of God's wrath in its most raw form was the very way that God reconciled the world to himself. So, G, so God's expression of anger and wrath actually brought reconciliation. Wow. God can be angry, and the result of anger is healing. All right. God's anger is born from his commitment to the relationship that human sin denies. All right. So his anger is birthed out of his deep commitment to relationship. And sin destroys relationship. And so his anger is at that, directed at that, because he wants to restore relationship. God's wrath at sin's rejection of relationship with him is the storm front of his love. God's wrath is the storm front of his love. Yeah, I kind of like that. <coughs> We're familiar with storms here in Michigan. We're about coming up on that season where you hear the rum rumbling thunder, right? Right, it's off in the distance. I mean, it's, that's one of the best parts about being in Michigan, you know. Some people in, in, in like in the Northwest, like I've known people that have grown up out there, they, they didn't even know what lightning was. Like, what? You know, that <laughs> you hear it coming, right? And then, then you're like, cloud, the sky darkens and those clouds come barreling in and just <laughs> hail and rain coming down and, you know, and it plows over you and then there's a nice pleasant rain for a few hours and the grass grows and you're like you know and that's that's the storm front coming through and it's violent but the result of it is life okay? and so god's wrath is the storm front of his love because uh, he's his purpose is to bring about uh, life while we were weak, it says in Romans, <coughs> at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now listen to this. While we were sinners, God is angry at sinners every day, right? Truth doesn't change. But in his anger, he provides for the reconciliation of those sinners so that they can be rescued from their sin, so that they can embrace, be embraced by and enjoy his love. Wow, all right? While we were sinners, how did he do it? By giving his best, his most. 
by coming himself, taking upon the punishment for that sin that he hates so that we can be redeemed. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified, now that the price has been paid by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, how much more can we be saved through him from what? The wrath of God. We can be rescued out of that, away from that wrath, the wrath that comes as a result of sin. Sin is a rejection of relationship. All of that is actually the produce or the result of God displaying his wrath, right? So, so to me, understanding the wrath of God and, and, and the fact that God is angry is not an obstacle for someone coming into a relationship with him. It's actually a really good reason for someone to want to be in relationship with him. Right? You don't have to like hide, oh yeah, God does get angry, you know, we kind of overlook that part of it. No, his anger is part, one of the most attractive parts because he's angry at the very thing that destroys you, all right, and us. And it's that anger that's motivated him to provide salvation for us. In Jesus, the wrath of God and the love of God are brought together in a perfect balance and unity. His love does not diminish his wrath, nor does his wrath diminish his love. Okay, this is very important. <coughs> uh, Remember the verse that God does not, what? God does not faint. That's <laughs> God doesn't change, right? Uh, God never changes. There's no shadow of turning within him, right? All right? So God doesn't change. Whatever God is, he is completely all the time. All right? So he is 100% completely loving 100% of the time because he doesn't change. He's always just, right? He's always full of joy. He's always angry. And we have a difficult time with that. But God doesn't. His, it's not like God's love erases his wrath or his wrath erases his love. No. He can be wrathful and loving 100% both at the same time. Because he's God. All right? And because it's good. All of it's good. Right? Unlike God, we don't have that capacity. All right? I don't have that capacity. Do you have that capacity? <laughs> I don't have the capacity. Right? We kind of, we go between the two. And so we project onto God our limitations when, when, when God wants to actually draw us into his limitless character. Uh, what we, we have a hard time embracing that. <clears throat> we have difficulty balancing anger with love. We get confused. I get confused. I mean, when the emotion of anger, I almost said the emotion of love comes on me. <laughs> I get confused. So my daughter, my daughter and Andrew, they were confused. <laughs> They're probably confused right now. <laughs> Can't be talking about my kids in the sermon. So, <clears throat> right? Love, you get confused sometimes, right? You get a uh, the injection of anger because something happens. You don't necessarily respond rationally. And so it throws us out of balance. And it's being out of balance and responding inappropriately that leads to sin. It leads to destructive behavior. I'm going to read a verse, Ephesians chapter 4, 26 through 32. <coughs> uh, condense it a little bit. It says, be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God and Christ forgave you. The rest of this message today is basically unpacking this verse and explaining it. The Bible says here, be angry and do not sin. Do you realize <clears throat> that the Bible is commanding you, there's a command, be angry. Be angry. Right now. Right now. Put your angry eyes on. Oh, come on. You guys aren't very good. Come on. Let's try it again. Right? Angry eyes. How many times I got to tell you? Why didn't you do that? Hey, you idiot. You cut me off in traffic. <laughs> There's no sin in that. <laughs> you're, supposed to, you're supposed to cut people off in traffic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's my take on it. I mean, <laughs> if I can get out there, I'm going. Okay, sorry. <laughs> be angry. It's okay to be. Listen, is God sinning when he's angry? Was Jesus sinning when he got angry? No. Anger is not a sin. You're commanded to be angry. And, and unfortunately, a lot of Christians have gotten this misunderstanding that anger is bad and wrong. No, anger is an emotion, man. You can't just quench, turn off emotion. You need to allow emotion to process. It's a good thing. All right? But don't sin. So anger, the Bible is teaching us here something really important, that anger and our response to anger are two distinct things. You can be angry, but don't sin. Distinct things. <clears throat> we can and are commanded to be angry, and we can also not sin as a result of the anger. Because the Bible commands us to. It says it's, it, we're told to, and uh, God would not tell us to do something that is impossible for us to do. He empowers us to, to experience anger, but not respond in a way that uh, causes sin. Right anger, listen, serves and protects something good. All right, so if it's, if it's the, a right response, correct anger, anger that is, is correct, is appropriate, is actually protecting and serving something that's good. Uh, another quote from uh, William Guy. In a social world, there could be no justice without right anger. Right anger is a commitment to human integrity and the social fabric, not the reverse. It acts to defend life and justice. In this sense, it is possible to be angry in love. Thus, angry feelings are not necessarily sinful. Neither are the actions born of such anger. The kingdom of God is not yet fully come. Until it does, anger is the right response to some realities. Right? So there's, there's, uh, <coughs> there's right uh, there, there are realities that the right response is anger. And we can see extreme examples of that. Okay, uh, uh, Several weeks ago, Anthony and I were in Thailand, and we were walking with Samantha Gordon and a team of people who have uh, moved there to minister to women caught in the sex trade industry. And let me tell you, I was very, very angry. It was, it was very, very upsetting to be walking down these streets and seeing all of the guys, mostly Western Europeans and Americans, that are there just to uh, use a prostitute, all right? 
And of course, working with the ministry there, they're like, well, this is what really happened. You know, prostitution was legal uh, for adults, but <coughs> behind the doors, they have children. And you can have, uh, you can have any kind of sex you want. And it doesn't even cost much. <laughs> uh, and uh, what really made me angry, though, is we, we were there for hours uh, ministering, praying for different people. They built relationship with some of these girls um, and, and building relationships. But we sat down <coughs> at one point just to have something, some water. And so I actually got a Coke. And, uh, and there's these little girls that walk around. And it's, the workers know that these are daughters of some of the prostitutes. And the little girls are dressed up very pretty, as pretty as any little girl in America, pretty little dresses, hair done up nice, and they sell flowers. And they said, don't, whatever you do, don't buy the flowers because that money goes to the pimps that their mom's working for. But what was really disturbing is that this girl just came down and sat right next to me. And, uh, and she hung out for the longest time. Um, we couldn't talk because of the language barrier. <coughs> but what made me upset was that she was being desensitized to this whole atmosphere. Because while we were sitting there, a woman, might have been her mom, I don't think it was, because this woman was a bit older, uh, you know, two Johns came up, started talking to her, and next thing you know, she's sitting on one of the guys' lap, and they're doing their lap dance thing, right in front of me, having a Coke with this little, pretty little girl. And they're preparing this girl for her life. And there's nothing I can do about it. Except what we were doing, which is praying. Let me tell you, I'm still angry about that. I'm furious. Furious. Right? So there's big, huge problems like that, and it's not only in other countries, it happens here too. <coughs> but then there's, there's right things that we can get angry about in our world, the injustice, the poverty, racism, all kinds of stuff that it's right to respond in a way that's has, that is angry. <coughs> but even in that, even with a proper anger response, we need to express it appropriately. Wrong anger is sin against the gift of social life. Sinful anger has no neighbors, no uh, only enemies and obstacles. Sinful anger is a destructive movement against a neighbor on one's own account apart from God. So sinful anger is when you t get the emotion of anger and then you respond or express it in ways that you are judge, jury, and executioner. You're sick and tired of it happening time and, and I've had enough and I'm going to solve this problem. And you just make it worse, <laughs> right? <coughs> that is wrong anger. <coughs> it breaks relationship. Sin sinful anger is the weapon of the false self. In other words, you're not in tune, you're not uh, operating out of your true identity as a son or daughter of the Almighty God who can control his anger and his love and keep it in balance. You've kind of flung off from that and are just caught up with the emotion. And it has its own goals uh, by destroying its neighbor. It just wants to uh, thrust out and hurt others. Wrong anger occurs when deciding what is right is not left to God or to anyone else. All right? Uh, anger <coughs> is also a sin against God and not only a sin against the neighbor because uh, it makes the self the absolute center 
and displaces God. So when you get into the place of sinful anger and, and uh, anger that destroys relationship, you're actually displacing God, the one in whom that we have to trust with this uh, powerful thing called anger. So I'm going to give you some uh, tips on how to handle anger. The first uh, is to acknowledge it. It's really important. Anger as an emotion is neither right nor wrong. It's just an emotional response to something that is perceived as a threat, as harmful, or unjust. Okay? So it's perceived. Everybody say perceived. All right? And we have to realize that most of our perceptions are not accurate fully. All right? There's countless times that I've heard something or seen something, responded to something, and then found out that I was completely, I had misunderstood the whole thing. You know? And, and, uh, 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 the judgments <coughs> from which the emotion flow may be right or wrong, correct or incorrect, but we need to deal uh, with, uh, but to deal with anger, you must separate the two, okay? So not only is there anger and whatever provoked the anger, but then there's a judgment that's made. In other words, you make a decision when you, feel, when you experience the emotion of anger as to whether this was right or wrong. Who's to blame, right? You know, that person treated me unfairly. That was unjust. That was unfair. You know, uh, and, and that's a judgment. So that's actually a, a different step in the process. And in order to handle anger, you need to realize, oh, anger is just this emotion that's been provoked, and then I make judgments and, and, and actions based on it. And when you can kind of separate things out, then you can deal with it in, in a healthy way. Anger is right, rational, proper responses to true injustice or threats, but if it's not real, if it's just a perceived threat or a perceived injustice, then it can actually be wrong. All right? If our perception's incorrect... We base a judgment against the person based on an, the emotion that's not, not accurately interpreting the facts, then it actually corrupts us. The anger actually works to destroy or harm ourselves as well as the other people. So we need to get this right. <coughs> and there's a few ways to handle anger. The worst way, I'm going to go through a scale from best to worst of how to deal with anger. I did not come up with this. A psychologist or a psychiatrist came up with it, and he was a pretty smart guy, and it's pretty well recognized as this is the, this is the worst, the best way to deal with anger. The worst way is to internalize it, to deep-six it. It doesn't exist. That is so bad. Or to blame yourself. It's my fault. How many times have I put myself in this situation again? Or justifying a wrong act. Or the feelings. Not expressing, not getting it out is actually the most destructive. Okay? Because it progresses the bitterness, which is I'm just mad about everything. I don't even know why anymore. And then malice. That's when you start treating people out of the anger, right, uh, in mean ways. It leads to passive-aggressive behavior, which is expressing anger in indirect ways. Anger leaks out. If you stuff it down, it's going to leak out other places. And it's going to hurt other people. It's going to hurt you ultimately the most. The next step from the absolute worst, deep-sixing it, to a little bit better is actually expressing it in inappropriate ways. Like, how many times am I going to tell you? I wanted a bottle of water. 
Someone encouraged me first service that I should actually throw something, so I did. <laughs> I got another. <laughs> Violent outbursts, throwing or breaking things, hurting others, hurting yourself. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh, that was so much fun. <laughs> I might do that every sermon. <laughs> okay. Getting intoxicated, stealing, or other destructive behaviors. Listen, folks, <laughs> you know, we're all good church people, but this is real. This happens, right? I know there have been dishes broken in some of our homes. There have been holes, you know, uh, uh, in walls, uh, inflicted in walls, <laughs> right? There have been angry outbursts. There's been all this stuff because anger, we all deal with anger. This is one of those you know, eventually we'll come to this if we don't deal with it in the appropriate way. It is better than deep sixing it because at least you identify, dude, you got a problem. You know, it's like, whoa. Um, but it's bad because it just makes things worse. And it doesn't address the cause of the anger. It just adds another layer of something to be angry about for the other people in the room. A poor way <coughs> is inappropriate verbal expression. Okay? It's better than just throwing something but it's it's still not the best way and that includes things like name calling right snide remarks cruel humor sarcasm cursing swearing outbursts yelling shouting how could you be so stupid how many times i had to tell you oh that was really brilliant <laughs> i'm just making these up i mean i saw them in movies <laughs> Notice how easily they flow off my tongue. <laughs> right? So name calling, whether it be, you know, you stupid, ignorant, no good for nothing, or, oh, you know, smart aleck. <laughs> Knucklehead's what I like. <laughs> I consider it a compliment. <laughs> um it's better because no one is physically hurt, but it still perpetuates a negative cycle, right? How can you be so stupid? I'm not stupid. You are too stupid. I'm not. You're stupid. You're stupider than I am. I'm not stupider than you are. I can go on for hours. <laughs> I have gone on for hours. <laughs> the proper way to deal with anger, and this is hands down, this is it. How do you deal with anger? How do you deal with that emotion? Appropriate verbal expression. You have to talk about it. Okay, it's the rational expression of feeling without blaming or denial. In other words, excuse me, I'm feeling angry right now. I think I'm feeling angry because I feel threatened. When you said such and such, it made me feel like you were mad at me. That's an appropriate expression in a rational way, that gives the other person to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What did I say that made you feel? I, I'm not mad at you. What did I say? Well, when you said, oh, I didn't mean it that way. I'm sorry. Be then you get it out on the table. Right? Or the person said, might say, actually, that's exactly what I meant. Because when you do that, it makes me feel like you don't care about everything I do. Well, I care about what you do, but the way you talk about it, you know, and you can actually unravel the package. There's a package in the room. There's an elephant in the room. Okay, let's talk about it. 
right, without blaming or denial. Uh, it enables the emotions and the issues to be sorted out and responded to in healthy ways. And sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes, like, I'm really angry. I need some time to... Kathy says, I need time. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes you need to go for a walk. Honey, I'm sorry right now. Or, you know, uh, sometimes in a work situation or a different situation, you, you need to realize you're really keyed off at your coworker or boss. You realize, I need to address this, but I need to do it tomorrow. Because tonight I need to pray about it. Or I need to go take a walk. I'm sorry, I'm really upset right now. I'm feeling really emotional. Let me just let me go downstairs for a few minutes and, and think about this. That's okay. So you give your time to then respond to the emotion in an appropriate way. And it enables others to respond properly as well. Okay, i got to get through these. Uh, some remedies, uh, steps to go through. So uh, expressing it verbally is simply confessing it and being specific about the feelings and the facts. Do that to God. You know, a third of the psalms are songs of lament, which are songs of feeling really crappy. God, how long is it going to take before you rescue me? All right? I mean, he's really, if you heard the tone of his voice, he's crying out. Uh, uh, And so it's appropriate to talk to God about your angry feelings uh, and talk to others if needed. Anger is like an emotional acid. Uh, if it's not neutralized, it's going gonna, it's gonna to eat away at you. And then once you confess it, once you respond appropriately, then you need to stop all the behavior. And uh, confessing it and getting it out enables and empowers you to be able to stop doing all behaviors such as yelling, cursing, complaining, hitting, breaking, verbally and physically abusing yourself or others, stealing, vandalizing, undermining, internalizing, self-mutilating, repeating the incident over and over in your mind. Stop accusing, justifying, judging, or rationalizing. Stop being offended, withdrawing, getting even, even isolating, giving up, or breaking down, etc., 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 etc. Right? <coughs> so... I just, that list could go on and on and on. Those are just all inappropriate behaviors. And how do you stop those? By confessing it, by verbalizing it, by getting it out, by finding that the emotion is okay and and talking about it. And then look, look at the world, look at your situation from God's perspective. Uh, See people, see the situation like God sees it and get your eyes off yourself, you know. Sometimes the most obnoxious neighbor is, you know, every time. Someone that's being obnoxious to you is someone Jesus died for. And he loves them just like he loves you. Listen to their side or the other side of the story. Understand that the person that may be provoking you to anger has stuff you don't know about. Right? Uh, and and they're a, treat them as a whole individual and not just in reaction to what they've done to you. And then ask God, how would he respond? And how does he want you to respond? And then respond in that way, okay? Another powerful thing to do is to take the energy that comes from that emotion of anger and to direct it in positive ways. Be angry at the things that God is angry about, right? And use the energy and the passion of the anger to produce change first in where? Yeah, yourself, right? Use it to change yourself. And then once you are able 
like God, to bring love in balance with anger in an appropriate way, you can begin changing the circumstance or helping others. And then remember to allow God to defend you. In Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, Beloved, like, hey guys, God loves you, but don't avenge yourself. Don't, don't avenge yourself. Don't take that into your hands. But rather, give place to wrath. What does that mean? It means take your wrath and put it in the proper place. The proper place is in God's hands. Because God is able to, uh, to operate in vengeance without violating integrity, without violating relationship, and we're not. And so we just we yield our right for vengeance to Him because we trust that he is able to execute vengeance in a way that is just. And he will defend us, all right? God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Somehow, I believe this with all my heart, when Jesus comes back, all injustice will be, there will be recompense for all injustice. So every, every unjust act that I've done, somehow God's going to make it right. And every unjust act that's been done against me, somehow God's going to make it right. But if I take it into my own hands to make it right, then I'm, I'm taking it out of God's hands. And God says, don't do that. Because when we do that, we make ourselves the enemy. Does that make sense? All right. You make God your enemy and not your avenger when you take vengeance. Because he says, hey, only I can handle that. You can be angry, and you can actually allow that anger to bring change in you and change in your environment, change in your circumstances. But don't try to execute vengeance for yourself. Let God do that. Because he's really good at it. And the end result will be life to you and life to your enemy. And life to everyone. Oop. And remember, mercy triumphs over judgment. The last verse. So Father, right now we come to you in Jesus' name. And I know there's some people in this room that have no handle on their anger. There's other people in this room that don't think they have anger because it's so buried below all the other emotions. Father, and there's people everywhere in between. Lord, I pray that you would stretch out your hand, that your virtue, your, 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 your excellence, Jesus, would flow from heaven to earth into each one of our lives, into the way we think about problems, into the way we respond to emotions, even into our emotional, our souls, as well as our spirit. God, and give us that grace to respond appropriately. Father, we thank you that you died on the cross, Jesus, so that we could be free from sin in all of its forms. Right now, I just pray an impartation of that freedom for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.